Hello everybody, good to be back with you and welcome to this, the first in a new series of podcasts for the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame. Before we get into the detail of uh, the next Hall of Fame, and there'll be plenty of that coming from our editor Damien in just a few minutes, we have to look back on a really great British Grand Prix. I think we're all still very excited about it. Are we, uh, Mark Hughes? I mean, you've seen a few. Yeah, for me, that was the best Grand Prix of this season, certainly. Um, one, of the, one of the best British Grand Prix, I think. Um, I think uh, it was going to be good even before the rain came and, and made it even more interesting. Uh, I think it, one of the things that made it was those demon starts that two Williams made, yeah. which put the faster cars out of position, the faster cars yeah. um, behind the slower car. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, again, it, it brings us back to why, why do we line the cars up in performance order and then expect them to overtake each other? Because it's not, it's not what happens. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I think it was interesting in that respect. Yeah, I refer the right honourable gentleman to Suzuka 2005, which remains one of the finest races I've attended. Of the, yeah. I don't know how many I've yeah, done, I've lost count. Three. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. exactly the same, the same principle. Back yeah, to don't, Silverstone. Don't say it too loudly because you'll get burning on about reverse grids again if, because if it's anyway, because of Suzuka, to, but you're right. Back to the weekend at Silverstone, our, our own, the home of British motor racing, the British Grand Prix. Um, one of the things for me, Nigel, was um, the crowd. I mean, so fa- it's so fantastic after all this negativity about Formula One and a lot of sort of rather depressing talk about it to see all those people. It's just great atmosphere, wasn't it? Well, I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the new regime brought prices down. I mean, not to a sort of bargain level, but, you know, but prices did come down a bit this year and, and they're, they're intending, if they can, to, you know, to do it, to do it next year. And it, it actually, it never really surprises me because, uh, you know, Patrick Tombe always used to say, what is it about you Brits? You know, at a time when there were tiny crowds going to Manucor and that sort of thing. And he said, you know, and then you go to Silverstone and look at it, you know. He said, you're just not like the fans anywhere else on earth. And I, I think there's something in that. You know, we, we don't even get big crowds at Monza anymore. We haven't had for years. Well, we love our motor so. racing. Don't we, Damien? We sure do, yes. Um, I was going to ask Mark what he thought might have happened if the rain hadn't come, because <laughs> Lewis was getting caught hand over fist by Nico, and it was uh, he was looking a bit vulnerable there. So if he'd, he'd been forced to come in anyway, wouldn't he? The, um, w- when he was... Um, they were waiting for... They knew the rain was coming, and um, Nico's, Nico had kept uh, some tyre heat because he hadn't been able to push as hard on the outlaps earlier on um, so that when the rain came it was round Luffield and that, that, that sort of place the tyres lost the temperature and if the, the less tread you've got on them the, the more the temperature falls and that's what had happened to Lewis because he'd done that dynamite outlap to get himself ahead of Massa um, and then extended his lead and that's, that's what had stopped the tyres from being able to retain temperature when the rain came. So the fact that Rosberg was catching uh, Hamilton was to do with the rain falling at um, Luffield. So yeah, I think with no rain whatsoever, it would have been a straightforward Lewis win and Nico would have had to do a two-stop, which is what Mercedes were intended to do, to get him ahead of the Williams because he'd, he'd not been able to get past them at uh, the undercut at the pit stops. I'd, I'd like to ask Mark Hughes a question as well. Um, you mentioned the start just now, which was in itself an exciting moment. Will we see a lot more of that when uh, the drivers start the cars as opposed to the trick technology that we have at the moment? That's the hope. Um, but talking to a few engineers at the weekend, um, they were all fairly um, you know, nonplussed about the idea and shrugging the shoulders and said, well, we'll find somewhere else. We'll find another way of doing it. It, it won't, won't make a lot of difference. So let's see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Simon, your British Grand Prix. Yeah, I loved every... I mean, I did uh, cheat slightly because I ducked out and went to Alton Park on the Saturday, but I was there Thursday, Friday, Sunday and um, enjoyed uh, enjoyed uh, every second. I thought it was great. I mean, um, although I no longer attend every race, I do keep up with them as much as I can remotely and um, it's the best, certainly the best race I've seen this year and it was nice to see Williams running at the front I'd love to know I mean, had Ferrari 
for example, been in that position with a slower car than Mercedes in the first few laps of the race. I mean, there would have been, so, well, certainly you know, Schumacher, Braun, Todd era Ferrari, there would have been an instruction would have gone out. Yeah. And you just wonder whether Williams is still not quite tuned into the kind of ruthless winning mentality that would have said, right, never, never mind whichever you think, whichever you might think you're faster. Your job is this, your job is this. One of you pulls away, the other one backs the Mercedes up. That, that, that would have added another element to it, but uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I think that, that's going to come at some point, I'm sure. With given the, the respective pace of the two cars, that is the only way that was a winnable race for yeah, Williams. Absolutely, it was to yeah. sacrifice yeah. one of the drivers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Um, and rejoice, rejoice, McLaren scored a point. How about that? Which I predicted. <laughs> yes, marvellous. Well done, well done them. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it's progress, isn't it? Of a kind, I guess. I think, that, I mean, had it not been for all the black cars falling out, well, I mean, one of them, the, the oh, well. two of those were McLarens, but I mean, but Renault's falling apart, etc. I mean, I didn't see any hint of progress from McLaren at all, personally. No, no, not at all. And there hasn't been for several races. Um, Mark, what's your take on this? Um, we, we, you know, every now and then you hear a rumour that Honda will pull out or, you know, I mean, what, what, how do you see this going forward now? I, I don't know about the long-term commitment because uh, there's been a, a, um, a new president has come in, so uh, I guess he's taken stock. But um, in terms of uh, the how the partnership is progressing, no, it's 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 not a happy story, and you don't get the impression that Honda. Uh, fully, underpreci- fully appreciates uh, the the urgency of a racing program. It's almost treating it as a nice little R&D project, which is obviously frustrating the hell out of the McLaren people. And I think um, McLaren would like to have more control over it than they they have got, because at the moment they, it's just well, we don't we don't know when we're going to get. Uh, decent horsepower or decent reliability they, they tell us there's a fix coming but we don't know when so it's yeah it's, it's, it's not obvious where it's heading Nigel you and I well what Mark says is, is, is dead right but, it, but the depressing thing is that when Ross was first at Honda that was exactly the word he used you know there's, there's just I mean they, and this was not Honda had been in for several years by then with the program they were on at the time and he just said I cannot get any urgency into them. You know, it's a, it's that was always said of Honda. You know, you talk to Surtees about how things were in the sixties, and he says, you know, it was very much, this is how we do things. Um, so I, I don't know what it's going to take to turn that around, but I'm still amazed that everybody, all of them, you know, whether it's Eric or the drivers, are still resolutely, you know, coming out with no, 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 it's going to come round, it's going to come round. Um, and there hasn't really been any sign, any public sign of you know what must yeah. be going on under the surface. Eric was quite outspoken for the first time this yeah, weekend when he was saying that you know the, this is damaging McLaren's brand, and you know that you 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 build brand value by being successful, and by continuing to be successful, and that affects your income, etc., etc., which it, it surely does. Well, particularly bearing in mind the road car manufacturing. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the British Grand Prix. Um, as I said right at the top of the show, this, in fact, is the first of our new uh, Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame podcasts. And uh, round the table, we have a panel. Uh, Mark Hughes, Nigel Roebuck, Simon Aaron, and the man himself, Damien Smith, who's now going to explain it all. Okay, so... Um, we founded the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame in 2010, um, the idea being um, a way to celebrate the great names of motor racing, past and present. Um, it was a, you know, um, also a way for us to um, you know, ha- have an evening where we, we celebrated motorsport as well and, uh, and, and everything we stand for for now 91 years. So that was the sort of intention behind the Hall of Fame. We did five Hall of Fames over the next five years uh, and they were lovely occasions, very well received by the motor racing uh, community. Um, And we inducted um, 
a lot of drivers, riders, engineers, team owners in that time. The idea um, really is an American idea, the Hall of Fame. It's, it's very popular in the States. It's not done so much over in Britain, which yeah. is why we thought there was a, a room for it um, over here. Um, and the idea is, well, the, the first year we um, announced eight founding members, the kind of the kind of people in our sport who would obviously take place, uh, take their place in any Hall of Fame. Um, and that was Nuvolari, Enzo Ferrari, uh, Fanjo, Moss, Clark, uh, Stewart, Senna and Schumacher. And then from then on, we could then induct four, maybe five um, personalities each year and just keep rolling. Um, the problem with it was it didn't really include our readers and our listeners right. and the people who um, um, you know, are, are key to motorsport's ongoing success. And um, we decided to have a, have a rethink on the format and find a way where um, um, our, uh, our readers and our, our listeners to these podcasts could actually get involved. So from now on, what we're going to do is cut the cut the hall of fame each year into categories um so we'll start with formula one today um but there'll be other um podcasts uh, on sports car racing uh u.s racing um motorcycling and rallying and the idea is that we um between us here um we discuss the kind of people who should be in our hall of fame and we come up with a long list of maybe a dozen names of people from uh, uh so in this case formula one who um, should go into the Hall of Fame. But then we hand over to um, the listeners to these podcasts, to our readers, um, and you then vote for who goes into the Hall of Fame in 2016. We'll still be holding the um, the glitzy evening somewhere. We haven't quite worked out where or when. Um, there's also a change for that in that we'll be actually selling tickets for that for the first time, whereas in the, in the past it's been in invite only. And, you know, very exclusive, maybe, maybe too exclusive. It's a time we became a bit more inclusive. So um, the evening will still happen at some point next year, but this will give us a way of... Um, talking about some great names on the website over the next few um, few months uh, and in the magazine as well um, we'll, we'll, there'll be a vote um, that'll be available online this week to, to kick, kick the ball rolling with uh, with Formula 1 and as I say to, to follow we'll be doing sports cars and we'll do uh, right. motorcycling as well so that's the idea um, so what we've done is we've all had a thought think about who we would have in the Hall of Fame I mean, previously the way it essentially worked was Nigel and I would chat uh, usually over a glass or something about who should go in next, and um, it was it was great fun to do and always good fun trying to track uh, obviously the, the, the those who are still alive down to try and get them to, to arrive in the evening, and then for those who who are no longer with us, then uh, work out a family member who could join us. Um, so this this basically opens that discussion up to to the public to actually hear how how good. we come up with who who who's who's next we've also asked some of the previous um the, the current members of the hall of fame who they would have next um so we've got a few a few of those uh, have come in as well so um i'll i'll kick things off um and say that um simon contacted ross braun who was inducted in 2014 um and he said uh, patrick head who is, of course, in the news at the moment anyway, because he's just been made a knight. Yes. Quite rightly. And uh, Ross said, not only for winning many races and championships, but his contribution in developing the talents and establishing the standards of very many engineers and technicians in motorsport, myself included. Nigel, you've known Patrick for, what, 40-odd years? Um, I mean, we wanted to induct him, didn't we, the year that we actually inducted Frank yeah. and have the two of them together. That's and right. Patrick That's was right. on holiday, so he couldn't actually make <laughs> it, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we thought, well, we'll save Patrick for another day and come back to him. So uh, um, it's about time, isn't it, for Patrick? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was time, you know, when we wanted to do it originally. He should have, he should have been one of the very early, uh, you know, inductees. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody could argue against that. I mean, Patrick's influence, apart from the, his own success, you know the cars he designed. I mean, his influence has been very profound. I mean, you know, a number of of other people who've gone on to be great, great designers, who who sort of essentially trained, you know, under Patrick. So yeah, for sure. And Jody Schechter actually also mentioned uh, Patrick along with um, Jason Plato. J J yeah, you came back with Jason Plato. I know we don't have a category for touring cars, but it's yeah. a point for discussion maybe at some point. Yes. I mean. You've 
I was quite surprised by that, though. Yeah, but I mean, you look, I mean, guys like um, Matt Neal's been doing 25 consecutive seasons. Alan would know, I mean, is it 25 consecutive seasons? I'm not saying that makes you a Hall of Fame contender, but there are some interesting points that we could perhaps look at at some stage. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yes. That means no, doesn't it? Well, um, yes. if you're saying longe- longevity comes into it, then, of course, that opens up the field quite a lot, Yes, it, yes, it? yes, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we also asked um, Mario Andretti, who unsurprisingly really um, uh, put Ascari down as the guy that he would um, he would have. I mean, Ascari had a huge influence on Andretti's life, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Absolutely, he did. I mean, he was... When Mario was first taken to Monza in 1954, um, and that was the first time he ever saw a Formula One race, I mean, that was... You know, he'd already fallen in love with racing, but Ascari was already, you know his man, any Italian kid, you know, he was, he was his man. And I think, you know, if you bear in mind that um, Jenks, no less, always said without any question, he was the greatest driver of the 50s. And Jenks had no doubts at all he was better than Fangio. We said, no, Bascari could beat Fangio any time he, he liked in, the, in equal cars. And, and the last Italian champion, amazing. The last Italian champion. Yeah. Yeah. For a country that's at the heart of everything the motor is. Well, you know, I mean, arguably, and he was the last great Italian driver, if you, if you, you know, if you use the word great yeah. in its proper context. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he should definitely be in, for sure. Okay. This, uh, this long list of 12 is going to be quite hard to keep to 12, I suspect. So, um, Mark, um, could I ask you, who would you put in the Hall of Fame? Um, the, the one thing that the one name that comes to mind immediately for me is um, Mauro Fogheri, Ferrari designer, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, he he had the fantastic era of success in the 70s, but that was when the fiat money started coming in. Um, before that, he was he was virtually creating these cars single-handed. He was responsible. He did everything. He did the the chassis, the engine, the gearbox, it ran a team of, I think he had about five helpers, and every year he would come up with a, a new car. And um, he, he inherited um, a set of engines that were rooted in the 50s, and uh, was constantly on at Enzo that we needed a new generation of engine. And the old man always was saying, well, he didn't have the money to do it. And when the Fiat money finally came in in the late 60s, uh, he gave him his head and he came up with that flat 12, um, which uh, won those titles, um, was used throughout the 70s. Um, and uh, his first turbo engine uh, was, you know, you bear in mind that Renault had spent millions um, proving this new technology and um, God knows how many people. Um, again, him and, and God knows how many years as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, he, with a very small group, um, that, that engine, although the car wasn't a great one initially, <laughs> that engine was instantly more powerful, more reliable than Renault's. It just, just sort of under, underlined his, uh, his mastery of, uh, of the engine side of it. But I think um, Nigel would agree he'd done uh, some very good cars as well. I mean, not least the, 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 T far, the, the Ferrari 312 T series and the 312B, but during the Chris Amon era, Amon always used to reckon that... Well, the, uh, he, Chris always said they were, the chassis was better than anything else, without, yeah. without a doubt. And the other thing about Mauro is, you know, you've got to think all those years, as well as that, he was also doing the sports cars. Yeah. yeah. So he really was an extraordinary, you know, one-man band, really. He tells his anecdote that um, when he was pushing the old man for, for investment for the new engine, and the old man had said no, he said, well, I said... Well, for 1968, could we at least just concentrate on F1 rather than F1, sports cars, Formula 2, Can-Am, hill climbs? Said, he said, if we can just do that, we would win probably three Grand Prix. And he said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And he said, we only won one Grand Prix. And he said, so um, I put my resignation in at the end of the year. And he said, you're not resigning from anything. You're going off to modern to do with this new engine that you want to do. So. <laughs> I mean, his career yo-yoed. Didn't it almost you know mm. through through different eras? He was in, in favour and out of favour. Yeah, as, it's a, it was the political policy. hotbed, it, wasn't it? It's true, but if you, uh, but uh, I mean, you speak to anybody who worked with him. I mean, I mean, if you talk to Nicky about him now. I mean, they all say he was absolutely in his way. He was barking mad, mm. but a genius. Yeah, absolute genius. Yeah, and to link three decades of Ferrari from the early 30s era 
all the way through to the turbo era for one man to have that amount of influence. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Rob, let's bring you back in. Good choice. Good stories. I like. Could listen to that a bit longer. Uh, Me? Oh well, I'm unhesitatingly Gordon Murray. Ah, you're in good company because Adrian Newey, um, uh, I didn't see him over the weekend. He was a bit busy for some reason. Um, <laughs> but he, he did email me this morning um, to suggest uh, Mick Doohan for motorcycles. So yeah. we'll come back to that uh, a later date. And then Gordon Murray, he was, it was his suggestion as well. So, uh, Rob, you're in good company. Why, why Gordon? Well, for me, um, all you have to do is just close your eyes and think of those beautiful Brabhams, those beautiful McLarens. But they weren't only beautiful, they were quick. They won races, they won championships. And on top of all that, the McLaren F1 road car, which for me, if, if I could have any road car on the planet from any era, that would definitely, definitely be it. I don't think anyone will ever build a more exciting, better looking road car. I, I just think, anyway. Um, and also, you know, what he's done since, try, venturing into new technologies, new ways of building cars, you know, putting racing behind him um, and applying that amazing brain. And, of course, he's a genius who is not barking. You know, that's, that's another nice thing about Gordon. And he, um, he is interested in all sorts of other things in life. And I like people like that. He kind of sums up that free-thinking, free freewheeling spirit, which you know, motor racing used to be about. Sure. Mm. In the 70s. Yeah. 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 And they were just, I mean, they were, you know, he, he designed some great Grand Prix cars, didn't he? Yeah. Is that enough? That's good, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean Simon. <coughs> well unfortunately my, my thunder has just been stolen by by, by, by widows R because uh, Gordon was kind of pretty hard by this as well. I mean I, for all the reasons that Rob's just said and I think also the first Grand Prix I attended in person was Silverstone seventy seven and although James Hunt won most of the afternoon, Watty was ahead in the Brad Mouth, which looked nicer than everything else and sounded, Sound. sounded yeah. even better. Yeah. So, I mean, for those two, I mean, so I've, I've always just got a soft spot for that. But, I mean, another name that I will pitch in, and um, I suspect I might get winced up from my Lord Hon- Right Honourable Roebuck across the table, is uh, Mr Mansell. Um, no, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, OK, no, just, just checking. Um, I just think Nigel Mansell, I mean, it sounds like a populist thing to say, but I, I wouldn't wrap my chips in the Daily Mail. Um, it's the, I think he's often quite underrated, despite everything he achieved. I mean, people just say, oh, he yeah. started winning when he got into Williams, but I mean, I was lucky enough to see him racing way back in Formula Ford and stuff, and he was a, it was very clear back then he was a force of nature. Uh, he, he did Formula 3 on fourpence halfpenny and was quick, but always ran out of money about three races, and he won a couple of races in the uncompetitive March Triumph Dolomite in the wet, admittedly, but that's kind of a a leveller. Um, he got into the role of Honda in F2, was quick in that, but then he was kind of fast-tracked into Formula 1, and he hadn't done a huge amount when he got into F1, because he had such a fractured programme, apart from Formula Ford, most of the things he'd done, or had been uncompetitive cars. And, you know, of course it took him time to get up to speed, but this, this I mean, he put the window out in Senna, which tells you everything you need to know about the bloke, and I know he had a car advantage in 92, he didn't always have a car. He didn't have a car advantage against, you know, when he was against Nelson Piquet at Williams in 86, 87. Um, and he outperformed Piquet more often than not. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, th- I think... Pe- I mean, he, his personality was divisive, but you could say the same about Senna, you could say the same about Schumacher. As a racing driver, pure and simple, I think he was marvellous. And, you know, for that reason alone, I think he should be in there. Good. Nigel, you knew him all the way through. I mean, mm-hmm. um, from the first Grand Prix when Austria in 1980, he was sloshing around in the yeah, fuel. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was drama mm. and there was, you know, he was up against it from the start, wasn't he? There was he always. Was. He poor, was. bless him. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. But you, you saw, I've been yeah. always intrigued to talk about, talk about Mansell to you because you saw him develop as a driver, but also as a character, and you saw the different facets of him. Mm. And he was a very different guy at Lotus to how he ended up at, at Williams, wasn't he? He was, but I mean, I mean, to me, uh, you know, for instance, he was. I, I thought, for in terms of being um, easy to deal with, I thought Mansell was at his absolute best when he was at Ferrari, and I expected the very opposite when he went to Ferrari. I thought, oh, jeez, you, you know, what 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 sort of chaos is this going to lead to? Thinking of you know Italian politics and. <laughs> 
and everything else. And I just thought, I, I, I just don't really see this working. I thought it'd be quick, but I could see all kinds of, you know, of problems. And in point of fact, he was, he was, he was, he was a doddle to deal with in, in that period. And I, he was at his least e easy to deal with when he went subsequently then back to Williams. Um, and particularly by, by, uh, by 92, um, it was not easy. But the, the, the bloke behind the wheel... Um, oh, the, the bloke behind the wheel was... I mean, he, he, he took great um, exception to the fact that I think some of us, Alan Henry and you know, Morris Hamilton, people, people like that, and I, did not rate him with Senna and Prost. Not far behind, but but we 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 I think we all thought those two were on a just on a, a separate um, plateau. But he ma that made him he was really angry about that. And he wants it, in fact to Lakeep one day he he was being interviewed by Lakeep and he described as us quote corrupt. Now we never quite figured how we were corrupt in not rating him with Prost and Sanna, but but that was you know that was his word for it. Um, he probably meant something else. He may have done. <laughs> he may have done. But I think the problem was, he was, you know, in 92, you know, I, I still think, uh, maybe, the Merc, maybe Mercedes the last year and a half is starting to make me change my ideas a little. I still think FW14B was the most superior Grand Prix car to its opposition that I've ever seen. Mm. And... I think, I mean, you, all you have to remember about that year is Tracy was second in the championship ahead of Senna. Yeah. Um, but it was almost as if Mansell finally had a car that was quantifiably better than anything else. But he was concerned that the world would say that it was the car that was winning and, and not him. Hmm. So, it, I mean, what drove Patrick round the bend that year, you know, any number of times, Nigel would invent a problem with the car hmm. that he'd had to, you know, surmount. And it really wasn't necessary. I mean, you know, I mean, he'd, he, he was, he was the quickest car, mm. and I don't think anybody could have driven it quicker than he could. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's what happens sometimes. You know, I mean, look, look, all those years with Michael, yeah. Ferrari. Look, look with Lewis now. You know, it sometimes happens. You do get far and away the best car, and mm. you just can't help winning. Yeah. But don't be embarrassed about it. You know, make the best of it because you, you know. A lot of the you know, speak to Alonso. I was, yeah, I was going yeah. to yeah. say yes. But I think the um, in '87 uh, at Silverstone, um, I, I remember that so vividly because oh, I you know I was I was 12 at the time, so I was an impressionable kid who, um, and I didn't have the uh, experience of Mansell the, the bloke. He was just the, the driver who. Um, was just always exciting and that that chase of pk i think we've talked about this before mark where quite a few of us were there at the circuit around spectating and we were actually probably all within a few hundred yards of each other didn't know each other at the time and uh, uh i was a mansell fan but you would you were cheering for pk weren't you is that right oh well, no i wasn't i was uh, neutral but my brother was cheering for PK. All right. and you were you were at club yeah yeah, yeah. i was uh, at stowe yeah and um, um, I, I can tell you the anecdote, but it involves swearing. So I, I, uh, Alan can beep it out. <laughs> <coughs> so, uh, yeah, Warren was down near the front of the crowd, and I'd gone for a cup of coffee or something. So I was several rows back, but I could see where he was. And, um, yeah, so Mansell was doing that great comeback drive after he stopped for the, <laughs> the fresh tyres because a wheel weight had come off, and that ended up ac actually, accidentally, being the... the the right strategy and so he was coming back at him at a great rate of knots um, and it was just a question of was, was he going to have enough laps left and so I could see Warren you know <laughs> getting a bit stressed thinking no 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 and um, we actually so from where we were standing at club we actually could see across the, 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 the move <laughs> and uh, he looked up back at me and just said Bastard! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do like a bit of crowd involvement, don't you? I do, I love it. And you could see the reaction of all the uh, Mansell fans around just looking very puzzled as to why this... <laughs> but, well, they are, but again, go back to that period, you see, and he was, he was dead easy to deal with. Yeah. He was. He's a real... And I, I mean, I remember that too, because, I, I, in fact, I, when you're talking about that moment, I was in the... Um, box with Murray and James and 
Greg Norman was in there as well, and I can't remember why now. He was Mansell's friend, wasn't he? Yeah. he? Well, he was certainly Mansell's friend, yes, of course, yes, he was, and of course, he went bananas when. But I remember James looking at me and saying, Mansell's had a rush of blood or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the great passes, wasn't it? It yeah. was, yeah. I saw it. But, it, but right you know, but he would do, that's what he could, I mean, it's like Paraltada with Berger, you know, everybody remembers that. They, they don't remember that he was behind Berger because he'd had a spin yeah. in the first place. Yeah. But even so, you know, the parking, the, the, the passing manoeuvre was just fabulous. Christ, did you really see it? Yeah. There, yeah. Was the, what, there was the instance where um, he'd done a 360 degree spin, I think, Imola. Um, Berger had put him on the grass mm -hmm. in on a 360 degree spin mm. and his next flying lap was the fastest lap of the race up to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It wasn't bothered. No, 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 no it's true. <laughs> it's no coincidence, Rob, is it, that we're, we're talking more about Mansell than anyone well, else? Well, it's, just, well it's, it's, it's inevitable, I'm afraid. It, yeah. it was like that all the way through his career. It's great, yeah. I, won yeah. I, wondered, I wondered, guys, um, do we see any parallels between Mansell and Hamilton? Absolutely, I saw it Because I clearly, do, a lot. Very clearly this yeah. week because there's there's a reciprocal relationship yeah. going on there between the driver and the crowd and yeah. they, they, they're both very much yeah. aware of it and they very much play to it yeah. um, and it's it's a big part of the kick that they get from it yeah. and other drivers sort of seal themselves yeah. in this little yeah. bubble um, but certainly um, Hamilton and Mansell the two guys I've seen actually yeah. use a crowd to work yeah. work a crowd and, and, and incorporate it into the performance almost uh, also they also they both to me a, a Mansell in the past and Hamilton now struggle with themselves yeah quite, absolutely. quite often they are they're, very, they're both very complex yeah. personalities yeah. Um, but there's there's, there's, there's there's dynamite within them and yeah. when they get access to that it, it's yeah. thrilling and that's what um, that's what a lot of the crowd, I yeah. think, um, identify with. Absolutely. Real races. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. It's a bit like being down the pub with your mates and having a good old chat about motor racing. So I hope all of you listening are going to join in and vote because yeah. the people are going to decide, aren't they, man? That's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, we've got a few... Um, I've got a slightly left-field one from Jackie Stewart who hasn't gone for someone... Um, I'd say he was obvious. Very worthy. Um... Um, but he um, he chose Mike Costin of Cosworth fame, um, obviously the cause of Cosworth. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why he went for Mike is obviously because of the input he had on the most successful Grand Prix engine ever. Um, but also I think he gets overlooked compared to Keith Duckworth's um, yeah, place in history. Um, and uh, typical Jackie to go for someone kind of behind the scenes, I guess, as well, someone who wasn't so much in the public eye. Um, what do you think? Mike Costin a good uh, a good one for our list? Yep, yep. Would it be wise to have Costin and Duckworth as a double act, the same way as the Hills came in as a double act, maybe? It's quite hard to separate them in that way, isn't it, really? Mm. Given, given I think yeah. it'd, be unfair, it'd be unfair to in, in, induct Mike and not Keith, yeah. <laughs> and, and vice versa. It'd be like separating uh, yeah, Costin and Worth, no, that, wouldn't that it? That makes complete sense. Well, we, we did put uh, Graham and Damon Hill in together uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, so I think yeah. um, if, if we were... It's a double act. And we would yeah. have put Frank and... Patrick and together if, if we know, could have done yeah Patrick been available so yeah absolutely okay so I think I think those two are two, if you're two. watching the video you probably be able to see our web editor writing these names up on our board here yes Ed's, he Ed's playing he, teacher has he spelled any of them has he spelled them all correctly so when he turns his back we <laughs> <laughs> when he turns his back we throw things at him yeah you're okay <laughs> okay just to explain what he's doing there that's all um, on my list um were a couple um, again divisive characters in a way. Um, Mike Hawthorne. Now I've I've been harangued by a few people, uh, some of our readers, for the fact that Hawthorne isn't already in the Hall of Fame, um, and uh, it's something I like to defend against. Now, Nigel, what what's your what's your take on Hawthorne? There's a, there's a, there's almost there's a, a real sort of well of feeling about Hawthorne among some a certain generation, I guess, in this in this country. Well. I mean, gee, I mean, I did see him race, but I mean, I, you know, when I was when I was little, and I'm not really able to form much in the way of sophisticated judgments. But from my my memories of him, and I and I went to a lot of races with my dad, you know, whether he and Sterling were both there. And what sort of registers from those days is he was one of those drivers who was unbelievable today, and tomorrow he wouldn't know he was in the race. 
So mm. very up and down. And I think, you know, it was we subsequently learned after he'd after he'd been, you know been killed about you know just the extent of the health problems he'd had and the, particularly his, his um, kidney problems. So I think maybe his health, just literally, was he feeling great today or was he not? May have had you know quite a lot to do with that. But he certainly was. I mean, on his day, he was fantastically quick. And, and, and aggressive, and, and he was a you know a hell of a racer. I think he was of his time as well. He was sort of emblematic of that um, Britain coming to the fore in motor racing for the first time in international motor yes, racing. Yes, he was. Um, you know, you know, uh, uh, early post-war. He was. And um, it was a very sort of uh, romantic time, very dangerous time, and uh, he, he cast a big shadow, didn't he, because of that? He did. I think um, you know he's a glamorous figure, and mm. it was it was fantastic, I, I guess to see this young Brit doing stuff that we were not previously been associated with. Racing and he, and he was with a, you know, he, and he was with a, with a major team before Sterling was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was, he was the, the first Brit to win, you know, to win a um, Grand yeah. Prix for, you know, in 53, Grand Pro. And beat uh, Fanjo that day as well. He did. Yeah. I mean, he was at Reims, which was not the greatest driver's track, but I just think, you know, he was one of those people you could say, and there have been how many, God knows, through history, on his day he could beat anyone. Mm. But it was a matter of, you know, but how many days like that did he, did he have? Damien, um, what about pre-war drivers are we going to... And, and also, we, we've talked about Piquet this afternoon, but is he, is he in amongst the... Yeah, well, uh, on the first point, uh, the pre-war thing, although this is Formula One, I guess really it should be Grand Prix racing because we should, we should count pre-war... Uh, drivers as well. I mean, Nuvolari um, is is, a, is obviously a pre-war yeah. figure, and he's he was a founding member. Yeah. Um, and Enzo Ferrari started pre-war, yeah. obviously. So, um, uh, so I think absolutely, yeah. The the, the 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 greats of the pre-war era should be counted. We'll we'll probably call it Formula One for all sorts of um, boring um, reasons to do with websites that search engines like Formula One rather than <laughs> than Grand Prix racing. But um, I'm sure the listeners will forgive us for that and um, accept that. Um, uh, the, the pre-war greats are in there. As for PK, he's absolutely on my list. Um, uh, PK is an interesting one because I think sometimes in that amazing superpower era of the 80s, he's sometimes overlooked, um, dis- despite the, the fact his record is incredible. Mm. And um, again, you know, and I think he's known as a development driver who was great at testing and you know, and, and set up, but he was also bloody quick as well, wasn't he? Yep. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. And what, what's your um, where did PK place for you amongst the Senna's, Prost's and Mansell's? Oh, high. I mean, not as, not as high as Senna and Prost, um, but, but, you know, but very high. Um, I think, I mean, he, was, he became very pragmatic, I think, Nelson. Um, I think, you know, particularly in 87, he, he had a huge shunt at, in fact, at Tamburello. Um, and... Bernie was trying to persuade Sid Watkins to let him uh, to let him race, um, and Sid says, "Well, when he remembers he's a racing driver, I'll I'll think about it." So, all that season, and he didn't tell anybody about it at the time. But all that season, he was essentially, you know, mm. not right. Um, so a lot of that year, he was sort of, you know, kind of. You know, hanging in there rather than you know, looking to win, 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 um, and and you know, and fooled everybody to an extent. I mean, everybody thought, oh, he's a bit off the pace, but you know, but he's still he's still right, and he did win the championship that year. So he, I think, you know, by the time he was with Lotus, he just completely lost interest. I remember being absolutely amazed. JYS ran me one day and said, um, "Oh, Benetton are thinking of having PK." And uh, I said, really? You know, I was, I was amazed because by then everybody thought he was just washed up, and, you know, finished. Um, and, but I remember Jackie saying, um, but I've told them to put him on piecework, which seemed very sensible to me. In other words, pay him by the point. Yeah, once. And, and you'll, you'll see something. And, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. Once, once he'd had that in injury, he did become very money oriented um, he did and uh, because he hadn't been particularly well paid early in his career yeah, when he went he was winning those um, the, the, the DFV championships so they were no with, no with, with and, and, in, and in fact I mean I remember 
I mean, something like this is literally inconceivable now. In 80, uh, which year would it be? I can't remember, 85, 86. 85 was his last year with Brabham, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Alan, Henry and I have been watching practice at the Osterreich ring um, out in the mountains, which you could do in those days. It was, you know, it was something to see. We walked back down to the paddock um, and there was a little caravan in the middle of the paddock um, with its curtains drawn. It was a blazing hot afternoon. And as we walked past, there was a tap on the window and the curtain was pulled back and it was Nelson. And he went, so we went around and went and sat in the caravan um, and had a beer. And he said, what am I going to do? Do I waste the rest of my life with Bernie or do I accept Frank's offer? And I swear to you, that, that day, neither of us, and we were doing news week in, week out for you know, all the sport and motoring news, <coughs> neither of us had heard about this offer from, from Frank. There had been rumours, but we didn't know it was an offer. And he then said, um, you know, Jesus, I was driving pro cars all those years ago because I was making more money doing that than Bernie was paying me to do Formula One. And, you know, I can't go on like this. Bernie's, you know, I think Bernie was paying him a million at the time and very resentfully. Um, but what really Nelson was wound up about was how much Pross was getting from, uh, from Renault. Um, and, and Frank's offer was three times as much as, as, as Bernie's. Um, and we were in there for about an hour just talking it through, but it, it, I mean, he and I have said many a time since, it's inconceivable now, isn't it, to think of a top Grand Prix driver asking a couple of journalists, what do you think I should do? Anything? Did Lewis not consult you, Nigel? When he's, uh, yeah, not often. No, okay. Not often. <laughs> no, no, but... Uh, no, but Nigel wants to get cut. But, 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 but on the other hand, it's... it's, it's if Nelson were still racing now, or the, his, you know, his equivalent, or I mean, I don't mean PK Junior because he's, a, I think he's a different animal. But uh, you could, you could imagine even in 2015, Nelson PK as he was with his character would still be exactly the same. Yeah. Still be quite likely to say, well, Sunset's only paying me this, and I want that. And what do you reckon? Um, so he was, he was very unusual in that respect. I mean, he was, he was, he was extraordinarily. Uh, informal, I think, is the best way to put it. And, and actually, Gilles, Gilles was the same. Um, and there's another name we haven't talked about. Mr. Editor, <laughs> we need to move things on a bit because we need to get all the names in the hat. Okay. So that all right. Well, I'm saying Gilles right now. I was going to say, Nigel. I'm sure Mark will back me up. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's surprising it hasn't come up before now. We'll just assumed he was already in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Third, thirded. Uh, and w what about Murray Walker? It's an interesting choice. Gosh, um, what a silence. No, I mean, it's, no, it's, 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 it's left field. It's, yeah. we, we're talking about participants. Well, personally, I think Nigel and I have talked about this before, and I think before we put Murray in for motorsport, we'd have to put Jenks in first. We would. Yeah. Because I think, yeah. for our magazine particularly, um, yeah. Yeah. to put an, you know, uh, someone who, well, Jenks was a, was a racer in many ways, but yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think... Personally, I would I would put Jenks on the list before before Murray for that reason. Maybe for the Mille Miglia alone, let alone all the uh yeah. Well, and also, you know, we were talking earlier on about Patrick and the influence Patrick had on sundry young blokes around him and what they, you know, how they then spent their lives. I mean, Jenks had that effect on anybody of my generation who was sort of aspiring to be a, you know, racing journalist. I mean, he was the you know sure. the reason we 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 started it in a way. So do, do they do they do they all have to be competitors? I mean, we could we could mention Sid Watkins. I mean, or do they have they have to be participants as opposed to? No, I think um, Sid, Sid Watkins' place in in motor racing is so intrinsic and so important. I think um, there are a limited number of people I think that we would consider who didn't actually compete or uh, weren't involved in that yeah. way. But I think so he should be Sid, one of Sid's them. one of them, isn't he? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And if we're talking about the pre-war drivers, do we, we, I mean, we have to include Rosamine, Caracciola. <laughs> and Lang, and, yep. I think. Am I allowed to go sort of pre-pre-war and go to Georges Boyo? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. pre-the pre other war. Yeah, pre-the yeah. other war, exactly, yeah. Because yeah. he, 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 he should be in there. Um, <laughs> Ed, Ed's now Googling Georges Boyo, is it? <laughs> but I, I think also we were talking, when just <laughs> mentioning Gilles earlier on, there, I think, that, you know, there are... Th 
three drivers I always think of who didn't never won a championship between them or or and didn't actually you know in, in sort of terms of big numbers which we're all obsessed with these days win massive number of, you know, of races yeah but I to me Rint and Peterson and Villeneuve were we're back on this force of nature thing mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely. You know, in terms of the impact they had on their sport mm-hmm I think you know, it was it, it, each of them. It was massive. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, um, I mean, this is this is the thing that we're getting into now. Is is um, the the people to go into any Hall of Fame? There's there's so many from Formula One, uh, from from history, and you know, someone like Peterson uh, to to a younger generation, it's hard to actually express what he meant to the to to people growing up in the seventies. But he was hugely influential, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, he was, and and. And you know, and and Jochen was. It was just thrilling to watch. Yeah. Well, that's thrilling. the point. That's that the point. You, you know, could put the, them in the Hamilton Mansell. You, sort if of you went and stood at the watch. old woodcut, uh, you know, yeah. to watch either Ronnie or yeah. Jochen through there. Yeah, right. Boy, you know. What about Fittipaldi? Given you know yeah. what he achieved so young, and he could have won so many more Grand Prix if he hadn't uh, gone off with his brother. Yeah, um, mm. yeah he could. At the end of and the other thing about Emerson is, you know, look what he did in, in his second life. Yeah. 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 In America. Yeah. 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 Good choice. Um, I asked, well, Simon emailed um, John Surtees, and John, being John, phoned straight back. Simon wasn't at his desk, so I, I took the call and um, explained what we wanted. And um, John uh, took a pause to consider, as, as, he, as he tends to do. And uh, he came up with a couple of interesting names because he. Uh, I think he's always been a forward-thinking kind of bloke, and he, he he suggested Jensen Button and Sebastian Vettel, which I was quite surprised at. I didn't expect him to say that. Um, he's very close to um, the Button family, I think, through um, the fact that John uh, built the, the, the engines that Henry used to race in karting, um, and he's also he also said that um, back in 2000, when Frank was trying to work out who to put in the, the Williams. Uh, uh, John actually suggested to Frank that um, Jensen would be a good bet, which is quite an interesting one. Um, and Sebastian, I think he, he said that Sebastian was a great ambassador for the sport and um, he's a big, big Vettel fan. Quite surprising choices. So I said to him, isn't there someone from your racing era that you'd put forward? Uh, and he immediately said Gurney as someone we haven't yet got to. And again, the Gurney's an, another one who surely should have a place in, uh, in any club yeah. such as this. Uh, just going on to... Following on from uh, John Surtees' point, I think in future years we'll look back on the current era. Um, I mean, Fettley's mentioned and Jensen as well, but I mean, for now, I mean, I think in future years when people look back at you know, the greats of motor racing, there'll be quite a few of the current or recent drivers who are discussed: Fettel, Alonso, Hamilton. This I mean, is I mean, a I mean, terrific right, era. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of I mean, they're right up there. As, I mean, yeah, as, as amongst the all-time greats. I mean, this is as good to me as the, I mean, without being disrespectful to Michael, I think Michael's era was, thin. It was uh, thin. on an overall level, yeah. was, was, yeah, I mean, was very low. Michael had Mika Hakkinen was the one, I mean, Absolutely, you know, yeah. Damon when they had the cast from time to time, but generally it was Mika and that yeah. was, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Good, well, we're getting a nice... We are, and what I should say is, um, we, at some point we're going to have to limit this list to twelve. And um, I don't think anyone who's not on that list of twelve it shouldn't be seen as being disrespectful to them, because the, the plan is for the Hall of Fame to have many years of, of life, and that we get round to um, eventually inducting all these people um, over the years. Um, it's just a question of focusing on who we think yep. would be good for twenty sixteen. Got to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere, and and, and I think um, I, I counted up. There's twenty nine people that are already in. Um, if you want to check out all the all the members of the Hall of Fame so far, they're all on the website, and they're all from different walks of life, and uh, they're certainly not all Formula One. We've started with Formula One because it is the most popular uh, category of motor racing and the most prominent, and it's the obvious place to start. Um, the interesting thing about the modern generation is um, Jackie Stewart, being being Jackie, has taken the Hall of Fame very seriously from the start, and he said to me that he didn't feel we should induct anyone who's still racing. He, he didn't feel it was something that we should do because uh, their careers aren't over. We can't assess their careers in true context. I um, think there's something to be said for that, don't you? There is some, there's some truth in that. We, well, we have inducted well, a few... Adrian Newey and Ross and people who have been st still been active. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's... 
I mean, I just, I just wonder how you draw the line between a, an active uh, engineer and an active race driver. It's quite tricky. I mean, we inducted um, Ron, Ron Dennis in the first year, we in did. 2010, and, and I still feel quite rightly in terms of um, the impact that he had on motor racing in, in his job for, you know, through the 80s and 90s and into the, into the last decade. Um, um, he, he wasn't exactly gracious in, in his uh, acceptance of the award, I would say, but... No. Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it's funny that, isn't it? Yeah, he but does, doesn't do gracious. Not really, no. But um, you know, there's there's quite a few um, there's quite a few members of the Hall of Fame who are still very much active in the sport. So, I, I, yeah, I think I think what Jay Wise is saying. I mean, I think that I can see that that makes to me absolute sense as regards mm. drivers. Mm. Well, maybe a- we should engineers s- a different matter because they you know their, their careers are so much longer and and. They're still producing when they've been doing it 25, yeah. 30 years. Well, maybe yeah. for the, the Hamilton, Alonso, Vettel, Button generation, we, we set them aside for now and come back to them in a yeah. few years when... Yeah. when um, Actually, just one thing while we're talking about it. Um, somebody at McLaren's was saying to me, they recently asked the, um, the real long-standing guys at McLaren, they were going reviewing all the drivers they'd had, uh, you know, including Sanna, Prost, or, um, who was the absolute quickest? And they all said Hakkinen. Really? Mm. Wow. Looks like he's going on the oh, board. That's then. interesting, though, he's isn't it? That, that's, well. that, that's including Atten. Yeah. Which so that that's mm. quite okay. It kind of backs up that 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 thought we've always all well, had yeah, about so Mike, Michael's so big yeah, rival. So yeah. Don't forget, we've also got the readers and the listeners making their contributions well absolutely i mean um a lot of these names have have, have come up over the years because we've had a, an area of the website where they could put forward their ideas and i think all these names were on there uh, at different times so um i'm sure no one will disagree with the names that we've come up with it's a question of actually getting it down to um a number we can actually put put forward for for next year um i thought a dozen was a good a yeah. good number to start with um and um uh, and it'll be fascinating to see who who you choose. Right. Let's let's decide. Okay. We've got eighteen names on the board. So um, we're going to pick twelve. We could be here a long time, but we can't be. So let's get into it. And who who's an absolute must, Damien? Right. I think Mansell's an absolute must for me. Okay. Simon? Um, I would go with Gordon Murray. Nigel? Uh, Okay, I will go with Gurney. Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve for Mark Hughes. It's like a game show. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Hakkinen. Let's keep going. Okay, so that's five. Let's keep going. Um, Seven to go. Well, I, I think it's good to have some engineers in there. Um, and we've already got Gordon Murray, so I'll have another one. I think we should go for Patrick Head. Alberto Ascari. Yog and Rent. <laughs> nice dramatic pause, Nigel. Sorry. That's okay. I do feel like Carol Borden. <laughs> you, you look a bit <laughs> like Carol Borden. Yeah, yeah. That's probably not on mic, so I better Mark. just say. Ed, Ed's <laughs> saying he feels like Carol Vorderman. Yeah. Yeah. So. As I nominated them, um, I should say Mara Fokiri. Okay. I'm going to go. Uh, mine is um, Coston and Duckworth. Because that, that was an extraordinary. Um, event when that engine appeared at Zandvoort. Yep. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So we're down to eight. Um, we've got eight, eight on the eight on the list now. Oh, so I'm going to just work out who else. Your turn again. Um, so one of the problems I was about to say Jenks, but the trouble is if you have Jenks, then really for this magazine you'd have to have body as well, wouldn't you? Because they were inseparable. Isn't Jenks really in our kind of Hall of Fame in the sense that he's just such an integral part of the motorsport magazine anyway? 
Yeah, yeah, he's ready. Okay, I th- I'll think I'll go for um, Fittipaldi. Okay. Monsieur Aaron. Um, Sid Watkins. So we've got two more. Because we've got we've got ten, okay, I think. Nigel. Actually, there's a, a name that we mentioned who's not on the list, Ed, which is Caracciola. Um, Good call. And, and I would be tempted to say him. The last one is yours, Mark Hughes. And Rosemeyer. Rosemeyer. Caracciola, double C. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Good. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I guess the, the excitement really is um, for our listeners and readers now, isn't it? David? Yeah, it's, it's, over, it's over to them. So there'll okay. be um, an area of the site will be very obvious where you go on to, to vote for. Um, I'll, I'll run through the names just very quickly, um, but they'll be on the site. So two pre-war names in uh, Caracciola and Rosemeyer. Um, we have from the 1960s, Dan Gurney and obviously uh, Costin and Duckworth um, from that era and Forgieri. Um, we have from the 70s, um, we have Gordon Murray, Gilles Villeneuve, Patrick Head, Emerson Fittipaldi, um, and well, Sid Watkins was very much starting in the 70s, wasn't he? And then into the um, 80s, Mansell. Uh, and uh, 90s Hakkinen. Yeah, that's the list. It's a good list. It's a good list. It's a nice broad list. Yeah. And just to remind everybody, we're not choosing current drivers on the advice of Sir Jackie Stewart, just in case people are thinking, where is Vettel or Button or whatever. Okay. And, you know, it's really hard because the people we've left out this year, for now, include Peterson, uh, you know, PK. Hawthorne, all, all, you know, Boileau was a good shout from from Simon earlier on. I mean, these these are all people absolutely worthy, and and it's not like they're they're being overlooked because they'll they'll probably be on the uh, on the list next time. Uh, well, well, the fun thing is that we can all think about it over the next few weeks, and so can everybody listening, and yeah. all all the people who read Motorsport magazine. Yeah, and it'll be fun to give it give it some thought and come up with some fresh ideas. And the, the fun thing's going to be trying to track down George Boyer's relatives when the time comes. Your job. Yeah, yeah, yes, I believe it's. Yes, I thought it might be quite tricky. Um, <laughs> and, it, and and it is spelt correctly up there, by the way, everybody. Just in case you. Okay. The um the the, the vote is going to be open for um the rest of the year, basically, because um, we want as many people as possible to vote, and we want to publicise this as much as we can uh, to get as many people involved. Um, and um, as I say, we'll, we'll be looking at other categories of motorsport coming up. So we'll be doing sports cars next. I think towards the end of August uh, is the plan. Um, and we hope to get some special guests in to join us along with our, our panellists, um, you know, um, current um, Halls of Fame members who, who are, are available and can, can make it to join us in the Motorsport office. So uh, watch, watch this space on Absolutely. On well, I hope you've enjoyed it, everybody. If you're, if you're going down to the pub this evening, um, you can get your mates together and have a good old chinwag about it. I think it would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. And we can expect the flurry of people from saying, why isn't Kimi Räikkönen on top of the list? Absolutely. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> most yes. popular Formula 1 driver. Yes, the most popular Formula 1 driver in the world. I know. Interesting. Interesting. Surprised by that, Mark Hughes? The fans no, are? not really. No, he's, he's different. Maverick. He, yeah, Maverick. He's the anti-hero. Absolutely. No, no, it does, doesn't surprise me at all. The girls love him in China and Malaysia as well, don't they, in Japan? They all love Kimi, don't yeah. they? Yeah, but people like the you know the churlish responses and you know don't give a damn. And you you go to India and the few motorcyclists that have got helmets on, they're, they're all Kimi Räikkönen replica helmets. Yeah. Oh, I might, perhaps I'll try a bit of churlishness. Actually, well, it works very well. Works works very well. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Damien, uh, for putting all this together for us and. Um, well, I'd also I'd like to thank uh, Nigel and Mark for coming in, especially for this one. Especially um, Mark, given that he's he's had hardly any sleep because he was yes. busy writing the the Grand Prix report uh, overnight. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. If you're watching the video, this is what Mark Hughes looks like after a Grand Prix with no sleep. Not bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind the facts, eh, Mark? Okay. 
Um, well, thanks everybody for listening, and um, a, a big thank you too, of course, for, for uh, reading our motorsport magazine. So, if you're in any doubt about this, uh, there'll be plenty more about the Hall of Fame, both in the magazine and on the website. And we should say thank you very much to Ed Foster, who's our website editor, who's um, our blackboard man, uh, whiteboard man today, and of course to Alan, who's been recording all this out of your picture. So. Good. Thank you very much, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you next time. And I think it's about, it's less than a month away, and we'll be talking to Tony Southgate. That'll be a real good one. Yeah. So join us then. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Tá, 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 tá,